Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of welcomeheart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Wow, I'm so happy today to introduce you to my new friends, Canel and Rhonda Hollins. They live outside Chicago, the Windy City, and it's chilly right now, right, you guys? Yes, and it they, is so cold. They are a darling uh, husband and wife team who have a passion for helping young people or old people, whatever, engaged people decide whether or not they should go through with the engagement, right, and get married. That's one step, training towards marriage and preparing, and then as well as helping you have a tremendous marriage the way that God wanted us to have a marriage. But before we get into that, because I know that really is um, your legacy, we're going to talk about legacy, but uh, tell us first a little bit about your family, what you just went through. I don't mean this afternoon, but I mean, you know, what, a month ago, um, <laughs> Rhonda, and then um, and then we'll talk about your ministry. Okay. Does that sound good? Uh, yes. Go. Sounds great. Okay. Um, I don't know who goes first. The girl, the girl goes first. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll interweave. Okay. You know what? I'm not getting involved with this. You're the guys are the marriage counselors. So you go right ahead and talk the way you like. So, um, we are Canelo Rhonda Hollins. We are elders at our church. We have been married for 13 amazing, hard, long years. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you I'm glad you added the long, hard one after you said amazing. Yeah. I thought, oh, this guy is fake. But, you know, <laughs> but Sue, it's actually it's actually good long hard work. It's good work. Mm-hmm. It's good it trouble. Good. And, you know, the work is the fun part, just being honest. Yeah, it is. It gets um, you closer. We are the parents of three lovely young boys, because that's all no. I can have is boys. <laughs> I love the this, too. He tells everybody that he can only have boys. But uh, so far, that's all he's going to have, because we're done. <laughs> that's my next question, but I wasn't sure I should ask it on air. But, um, I'm done. I, I always say I only can do girls, but that's what happened, and I wasn't going to keep going after four <laughs> I was almost 44 when I had Mary Grace, my runt, I call her. And so, yeah, I wasn't going to keep having him just to try to get a boy, but thankfully Mark didn't care. So go right ahead. This is about you, not me. <laughs> um, our oldest is 12, Ethan. Our middle son is 10, That's Aiden. Right. Mm-hmm. And the baby boy is six months. He just wow. made six months. So wow. needless to say, I didn't go to work that one day. <laughs> so I, I, I thank Corona for that much. Yeah, uh, we were social distancing. That's what we did uh, wrong in that situation. And But it did bring us Avery. Because he didn't say my baby's name. It's Avery. Uh, yes. Avery so Lewis. cute. <laughs> now, what, what did you just say about the coronavirus? It kept you from staying at home or what? Well, you know how they told you to shelter yeah. in place and stay home so right. that day I should have went to work as well <laughs> <laughs> no you I, silly boy you know the crazy thing is too like we were so far removed from a, uh, a baby obviously we weren't even years, thinking about it but God knows exactly what you need at the point in time because he's been the best thing to happen to our family yeah, like, really? family. yeah. Like, from our standpoint it, it's brought us closer and then from our boy's standpoint, they love him so much. Yeah, they do. Like they adore this little boy. Yeah. And like I say, it's just exactly what we needed, but we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, Isn't that, and I, I was going to ask you, uh, repeat the ages again. How many years between the middle and the youngest? Go ahead. So 10, 12, and six glorious months. months. <laughs> yes. Wow. 
It sounds yeah. like a, supre- su- a surprise treat from God. That's why yes. I, I, my, my youngest is always saying, so you didn't want me? I go, no, honey, you were a surprise treat from God. ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、
um, answer questions that aren't always answered in the four walls of the church. So, oh, good. Great okay. <laughs> well, um, when I was reading it, it says that um, our mission is to empower your marriage with tools, which is what you just sort of mentioned, mm -hmm. resources and education to ensure your marriage is strong enough to last a lifetime. Who would not want to buy this book? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Sue. <laughs> no, I mean, really. Because yeah. um, Mark and I were experts on marriage until we got married. That's the until truth. We though. got married and we go, wait, you know, we had one pre-counseling one because we were older and we thought we were just pretty darn smart and wise in the word and we found each other slinging scripture at each other because we knew the word but we didn't know how to present it in love and uh it's funny what you learned the first uh, year of marriage what you thought you already yes. knew i don't know if you experienced yeah. that but it was yeah. a tough first five years though my husband can't remember it but I remember it and that's because I needed to learn a whole lot of stuff about self-denial and <laughs> truth in love not just speaking mm -hmm. and I'm still learning that but you know we've survived 33 years praise God amen 30 34 by the time this is broadcast so about what is your um what is the main thing that you like to give to a couple who is considering, is committed to getting married, but they're not married yet? What would be the main thing that they need to consider and think about before going down the aisle? Oh, I can answer that one. I love this one. Um, yeah, the, the main thing I always say to them is this, if you're walking into marriage looking only to be loved, then you will be hurt and sadly mistaken. You know, marriage is not for the, the weak or for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. You gotta be battle tested. And we don't say that to scare you. We say that, that marriage is servanthood. And mm -hmm. so if you're moving into having a, you have to have an act of service in you to want to give to someone else. And in return, you get that same reward, but you have to know sometimes you may not get it the way that you have uh, given it out. <laughs> that, ain't it the truth? Um, my husband has the love language of servanthood. So um, I remember one day when I was insisting that he apologized to me, he had, he just couldn't get those words out of his mouth, but he washed all the windows and we have a big house. So I thought, hmm, I kind of like that better than the words. Was, it's like he kind of knew he needed to do something. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't get flowers, but I got clean windows. In fact, I need to sort of remind him of that again. But um, so that is great. So say a little bit more. Canal, you say a little bit about that, that marriage is servanthood. Yeah. Um, so we try to let them know, because, you know, that, that's actually, if you think about the name, because it's a hard shift to go from me, all about me, thinking of me, mm -hmm. to a we state of mind mm -hmm. where, like, you got to think, I don't come first anymore. This person who I say I love and care for, they come first. Mm -hmm. Like, they are my everything. So, like, people always talk about, like, kind of Romeo and Juliet, like, I'll die for you. No, live for that person. Yeah. Like, how would you live for that person if you could? I don't like, say that. <laughs> talks about, like, you should um, be able to... Your, your character, when you when you get married, you know, pe people change, per se. Or that's what they say. Mm -hmm. But, like, it, your character only changes if you allow it to. But it should only amplify the person that you are once you get married. It, it shouldn't change you. Exactly. <laughs> you should so, be able to grow. 
Say that one more time. No, you should be able to adapt and grow, you know, and um, you should be able to come out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's when you really know you love someone. And be naked and not ashamed. Oh, all the way. I mean, it's going to all come <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, that's another podcast. It's not mine. Um, a question, though, I... I know I've heard this advice. I've given this counsel that don't expect your spouse to change. Don't go into the marriage saying, okay, I love this part of them. I don't love this part. And I'm going to change that about them. But mm. you are saying something different. You're saying they need to be willing to adapt and grow. Yes. yes. Say for a little the, more about that. For the simple fact that, you know, the person I am now is not who I was 13 years ago. And that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because if I stay stagnant, how is this relationship going to grow? Exactly. Like we can't grow by staying in one place. Like we have to move forward and progress, whether it be having children, whether it be, you know, um, advancing in our careers and things like right. that. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to grow at this to, because, you know, if we stay in one spot, you know, <laughs> this is, wilt away it's gonna die mm-hmm. you know because it's not gonna get enough sunlight because you have to grow with the sun mm-hmm. but if you stay in a shrinking violet then that's all you're gonna be you yeah. know you gotta bloom where you're planted and so you want to be planted in a relationship a marriage a strong covenant relationship i have so many questions one <laughs> is if you're married to someone because i'm sure there's someone listening today who is thinking well i wish my spouse had canal's attitude where he would be willing or she would be willing to make a change what kind of counsel would you give you don't want them to say well yeah you should leave them of course you would never say that no. but if they if someone is not willing to change i think um well i can tell you what i would have said but what would you say we say a couple things one is you have to recognize i always want to know how did you start in the first place mm-hmm. so I always want to verify the footing that they got on. So meaning, were you equally yoked to begin with, right? Um, What was your faith walk together? Because that is so important. There is a mandate to be equally yoked in a marriage. And and God didn't tell us to do that because he just wants us not to have what we want. He did that so that we'd be successful and have a healthy relationship and children, you know, and, and different legacies of love. So I would first identify that as what I typically do, Connella and I. And then after that, maybe it was a situation where you both walked into the relationship and you weren't believers, but then one of you start understanding the glory of God or someone fell away because they don't feel the connection to the Lord anymore. I always say the best way to lead your mate is not to be a know-it-all, right? Because mm-hmm. some reason when you get married and you know the Bible, you become holier than thou and you can yep. quote the words. And I think we talked about this, but this is the truth. You end up quoting it and then you end up turning your mate off of God. Mm-hmm. So what I always say is have example fellowship, You know, show them love, show mm-hmm. them God's love through you. And then let God do it because it's God that does the miracles. We're just to mm-hmm. sit back and watch him do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So true. And um, I I remember early on in our marriage, my husband said, are you trying to be my Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, that's big. And I said to him, yes. And I'm doing a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But obviously he was being serious and I wasn't being serious, but mm. I never forgot that. And I thought, oh, yeah, because I've, I've told my friends, I said, I have the spiritual gift of exhortation, but I'm not allowed to use it in my own family, <laughs> which is right. good for me. It's called self-denial, you know, 
true though, because no, it you, is. It you, is. you push them away. You know, when you want to say, well, I wish my uh, spouse would lead me spiritually. What you say is you ask the Lord to make yes. a change. And then you yes. make the changes in your own life that God is saying, by the way, Sue Donaldson, you have a long ways to go in this area. So let's just work on you. Yes. Yes. Control what you can control. Right. Because if you think about it, it's it's easier for somebody to pull you away from God than you to pull them towards God. Why is that? Why is that? Because it's not our job. (laughs) You know, it's not it's not all we can do is pray for someone. It's not up to us to like lead them to him. Like like I said, you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. That's the old analogy. Mm -hmm. So you can you can all you can do is be that example for them. And hopefully they come along for that ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to. To long suffer with them, you know, uh, and a lot of people don't want to do that. That's the work part, right? Like you, you go, oh, I just want them to be different. I want them to be better. But sometimes we don't even know why we want them to be different other than our own comfortability. Exactly. So maybe that's what God wants them to be. And maybe it's you, you know, it could be very well that it's you that is maybe the issue. So that's why you have to sit back and elect what, you know, what God is doing, similar to what Connell was saying. But you also have to find out, you know what? what really inspires them. And one thing I always find is this, when someone is not rooted in in, in the church, if they're not um, working in acts of service towards the Lord, it is very hard to stay connected to it. Mm -hmm. And then the way that they serve the Lord, they eventually will serve your, they're made that way. So on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so we look at those different things. So we always say, how are you connected? In what ways are you contributing? Are you just an attender at church, or are you a member of the body of Christ? Like there's a difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be sure not to tell your spouse, and this is how you're supposed to serve the body of Christ. Yes, that's, that's right. 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 Exactly. You already know. Absolutely. Well, I, I know from my mistakes. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> you say it's a, a ba- oh, I know what I, you just said, you used the, the noun long suffering as a verb. You long suffered. And I think that is very telling because some people can be very pouty and say, I've been suffering for years in this marriage and I'm just going to get out of it because God wants me to be happy. But God says that love is long suffering. And Mm -hmm. so we need to stick to it. And an old fashioned word for it is forbearing. Yeah. You know, forbearance yes. is a good one. Like I'm bearing for you or for <laughs> yeah. God and it's a real bear and, yes. Yes. and it's not any fun, but God, I remember this actor saying on a talk show years ago saying, well, yeah, my, uh, my wife said that uh, it, we needed to work on our marriage. And I thought, well, that's not any fun. So we're no longer married. And I thought, what an immature um, man to say that because yeah. marriage Marriage is work. Now you mentioned you use a lot of metaphors having to do with uh, battleground. (laughs) And I was thinking, wow, that sounds kind of scary. You might scare people off. What do you mean by being battle tested in your marriage? Well, you have to think of it this way. Like when you're going through things, the, the key is, is yes, they are battle tested, but the way you want to do it is this. You don't want the battle to be between you two, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be able where you guys are, in a sense, doing a Mr. and Mrs. Smith in this, you know, and you guys have each other's back. And I'll do it real quick with Connell, but we have our back to one another. And it's so that you can cover this side of the circumference, whatever may come your way and mm-hmm. challenges and battles. And then they cover the other circumference and we both have peripheral vision. 360. 
It gives us a 360 view, but God is covering us all the way along. And so it's so important that you're on the same page because there is going to be different adversity that's going to come at you in marriage. Sue, I know you know this. It happens. And then what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Are you going to crumble under the pressure? Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's going to happen. And what it is, is that the enemy does not like marriage. Yes. He doesn't like it. He he gets upset when he sees a a power couple coming in the door that's going to do something for the kingdom of heaven. So he's going to do anything to try to authenticate it, you know, do whatever he can to show flaws, cracks, Mm -hmm. issues. And so you have to be ready. And that's what I mean by being battle tested is not that you should want to fight one another, but you should want to fight for one another, have Mm -hmm. each other's back. And then being able to lean on each other and going back to that naked and not ashamed, but be naked and not ashamed and throw everything out there. And do you accept me as I am? You know, mm-hmm. that's what I mean. So. And, and then so you, think about it, you mentioned a, little while, a second ago, like your first couple years, first five years, first five years of marriage where, you know, they were a struggle. Mm-hmm. And so how did you prepare for that struggle? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have to be. Um, you have to be suited up in your armor, mm-hmm. you know, rest of the righteousness and all that, and ready for what's going to come. Because unfortunately, it, it can be, it's not going to be all rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some trials and tribulations. That's just what comes with this. Because, you know, the devil does go first. Mm-hmm. Like, and he attacks our communication. And, you know, and we know that's one of the main things that couples kind of argue about for the fact that they, they're learning how to communicate. Mm-hmm. They're learning how to share that balance of power and things of that nature. And you're learning this. Like I say all the time, I'm trying to get, Rhonda says my doctorate, I'm trying to get my judicial degree in, in Rhonda. Yes. <laughs> the highest education possible. Uh-huh. And I'm always learning her and she's mm-hmm. changing over these last 13 years. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Because that way I can constantly learn and I can grow from that. Mm-hmm. And I say that because of the fact like you want somebody that's going to be growing and changing and and, and this should be, yeah, because this should be new every day. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, be- that's beautifully sad. I remember uh, advising a young gal about only marrying a Christian. So, and I said, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not like God is out to hammer you with this. Mm-hmm. He's saying that what if your child uh, has special needs and mm-hmm. autistic? What if your husband uh, loses a limb? You know, mm-hmm. I thought my husband remodeled our house for 13 years. And I, th- I said, <laughs> what if you lose a hand? Or you fall off. He did fall off a ladder. He broke his ankle, but it didn't uh, keep him, it didn't keep him from being a doctor. But mm-hmm. something could have happened that yes. that way. So what would hold you in good stead? I was challenging her, and um, because it's only Jesus that holds us in good stead, and we've had That's difficulties, right. not those difficulties, but we've had things from the outside, like you said. And I yes. thought, okay, this is drawing us closer to one another and to God, because only God can help us. And yes. it's been difficult, and it's been good for our children to see things that, you know, like at work or things that have hurt my husband. And um, that has been so unfair. And yet you go to God with that and anything could happen. Right. And it's not to scare people from marriage, but it's to get them battle tested. Like you said, that is, that is so good. Um, Now your book is out now. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And you're going to be uh, giving away a copy to my listeners this week. Yes. I'm so excited. Yes. Now tell me about the name of the book and then maybe um, the names of the chapters, a few of them, because I thought they were yes. so great. Thank and then also, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, this is the book. It's okay. marriage material. 
we go through it all the time to be perfectly honest. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's called marriage material. It's the pre and post marital training guide. Um, and we're guiding you until the training wheels come off. And there's some training wheels oh. that are on the book. <laughs> wow, that's so clever. <laughs> Thank you. We, we're just really, really pleased with it. And um, some of the chapters, because it's based on having material, ma- what matters and what is the material. So matters and materials. Oh, okay. Things are made of. Yeah, things yeah, I that love you're it. made of. And so the foreword is called training material. Um, the introduction is what dreams are made of. Yeah, I love that. Uh, chapter one is are we marriage material? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think questions that ask. People can stop right there because I love asking questions. That whole chapter was full of good questions. What's your substance? What, do you, what did you mean by that? Well, what we wanted people to understand is that sometimes you can value substance one way and then another, your mate values something else. So it's really important. And so when you're getting down to what marriage material is, what is the substance that God is calling you to, right? Mm-hmm. You you may think that your marriage material because somebody just asked you to marry them, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Or you might think that your marriage material because somebody, because you were the one that asked them, but just because someone asks you to marry them doesn't mean that you are automatically marriage material. There's going to take time and there's going to take study. Like my husband said earlier, you got to study one another, get to learn mm-hmm. one another, ask mm-hmm. questions and find out, do we meet? Are we each other's puzzle piece that's going to help us get through this life together? Mm-hmm. So, yes, I love that. <laughs> a couple, just, a couple, sorry, there's some back feed here. A, a couple more names of chapters. Absolutely. And after that, chapter two is what's the matter, right? And so we're asking questions like, what's the matter with you? Chapter three, size does matter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> chapter four, material girl. Oh, well, you guys are so clever. Is this because you're a civil engineer, Canel, that you came up with? <laughs> I think it is. I think, we, I think we just like, we really like um, just the play on words, but yes. we, we went deep into each one of these. Mm-hmm. These aren't like thin chapters. They're, they're thick, meaty chapters, but it's not a long read. Right. Um, I agree. And then um, five is materialistic. Um, and we're talking, we made a new definition instead of the normal one. We just said when it looks like material, it's material like, but it's not the real thing. So mm-hmm. we're kind of talking about that. So if you're faced with a decision on if this person is the right person for you or not. Okay. Then we have building materials, um, and that's chapter six. Chapter seven is the cost of labor and materials. Oh, that's a good one. And then number eight is a matter of uh, opinion. That's one of our longest chapters. That one is all about communication and miscommunication. We want them to recognize that in the two minutes it takes you to take do your marital vows and communicate love, it, there's nine divorces that happen in that same time frame. So it's oh, wow. really important for you to really recognize these words. Are you really, do you understand the vows that you're taking? Amen. Mm-hmm. There's life and death in the tongue. Yes, it is. And, and then you mentioned right away yes. that there's, there's a um, companion workbook. Yes, it's a companion workbook that goes with this. Okay. And so, um, and that's available for pre-order. And it's really application because we're teachers at heart. We're instructors at heart. Um, And so we don't want to just give you a bunch of information. We want you to get the information, but then we want you to apply it to your real life. And we also have where there's liberty and flexibility where you can make it based upon your life, how it works best, how you can use those tools. You can use it in whatever order you want or whatever style you want, just as long as you use them, Mm -hmm. you know? 
Canal, let me ask you this. Um, in your book, you say a good marriage is worth the work. Did you ever feel like giving up and throwing in the towel or the hammer? Not at all. So um, actually, the funny thing is, because, you know, when you said something earlier, when you're talking about your daughters, and we always talk about how little eyes are watching us, our, our boys. Mm -hmm. And so we, we try to be that example of love for them. And in turn, we try to make marriage look good. And so I said it to say but, um, that, you know, I learned from my own parents' mistakes, what mm -hmm. to do and what not to do. And therefore, I felt like I had a cheat code already. <laughs> like, I, I knew, you know, um, adultery was wrong, hands down. It's in the Bible, it says it. But adultery is wrong, and this, that, and the other is wrong. So I already knew what not to do. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself in situations that would actually affect this in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, when we, when we, so when we, we excuse me. So when we have what we call heated fellowship, because we don't argue. Oh, I love that. Say that slower. Heated, heated fellowship yes. is the, your uh, phrase for fighting. And, yes. um, and I just think that's so hilarious because yes. we're still in fellowship because we're at one, we're one with them yes. spiritually and physically. And yet we're raising our voices in an <laughs> un unkind way. Yes. Yeah. So when we have heated fellowship, the good thing about it is that we're, we're actually listening for to, to to help each other versus who wins the um, oh, wow. who wins the argument. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And he came up with that one because I was the I was the below the belt fighter <laughs> when we first started. I had to really learn how to communicate because I, like my husband said, I saw all the wrong ways to do it, and I was applying that and bringing that in. And then when he came up with heated fellowship, I said, okay, let's give it a try. And, but it gave us rules in order how yes. to protect one another. Fair fighting um, rules. We have to have fair fighting rules of engagement. Otherwise, I mean, it's just a human nature. Like no one wants to lose. Yeah. Right. You know, we're, we're winners by, by trade. And so if I say something, it's, it's a common tit for tat thing to try mm -hmm. to win, to, to try to win the day. Yeah. It becomes legalistic and you're just going back and forth. And everybody loses. And so everybody loses. Yeah. When one person fights to win or both, everybody loses. Yeah. Um, let's see. This note, if we break you up before you ever get married to save you from divorce, we did our job. I thought that was that was a great line and a great goal. That's on page seven. If mm -hmm. we if we break you up before you ever get married to save you from divorce, we did our job. I know of a couple who I wish I would have gone ahead and, and encouraged the breakup because they ended up divorced. And I think, wow, I guess I wasn't mature enough at the time or whatever. I don't blame myself, but you no. do think, wow. And this is really your passion. And I would, uh, I would call it your legacy. Did you want to say anything else about what legacy that you're leaving uh, those who love you? We've already mentioned your children, but what is your real legacy for your life? We really, truly want to help marriages. Um, we want to be naysayers of divorce. Mm -hmm. We believe that God can do anything. Yes. We've seen it yes. time and time again. And yes, there are relationships out there that do not have God at the center and they're surviving. But we know when you have God in it, your relationship will thrive. Mm -hmm. And 
If we can help you and give you the tools, that legacy alone, for you to have a legacy of love that just continues to go on and on and on. And we don't want just regular love. We want love that you can do backstrokes in. It's so good, you know? Like if it was a pool, I would swim in it. And we want you all to have that too. We want you to have butterflies in your stomach when your mate gets chills when your mate comes around. We want you to still feel that spark and that's what God does in marriage. And mm-hmm. if everyone knew, they wouldn't, if they knew the plans that God had for them, seriously, they would never put up with anything less. Yeah. So I've yeah. heard of this, the seven year uh, itch is like after seven <laughs> years, people seriously, they get divorced yeah, because yeah, they've tried, they've tried mm-hmm. and they feel like they've tried and they're the martyr and this person's never going to change. And God doesn't want me to be unhappy. So out the door they go. But they, if they just would have trusted God, you're saying, yes. this is what you're saying, I'm going to try mm-hmm. not to put words in your mouth, that mm-hmm. God would still restore the love that they used to have for one. Yes, another. he yeah. will restore the love of their youth. And mm-hmm. I always say a seven year itch in that moment, call on him. That's what you use to change that to an acronym mm-hmm. to, it, you know, itch to that. But no, go ahead, honey. No, I was going to just add to that because the fact that matter is, so if you think about it, we all go through the same things, mm-hmm. but we just don't know it because we don't talk about it. Yes, so, so true. So the legacy I want to say is like, let's talk. <laughs> like that's what marriage is one long, long conversation mm-hmm. checkered by disputes. <laughs> yeah. But the fact is, let's have those conversations. Let's talk about it. Because yeah. that's what happens. Like for instance, in my parents' marriage, that's what ha- that's what didn't happen. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, like I didn't learn how to talk. Right? I didn't realize I had a voice until I met my wife. And she started asking me all the right questions because mm-hmm. I was so used to saying one word answers like, okay, maybe, you know, this, that, and the other. And people would accept that, but she wouldn't. So she challenged me to be better, to, to, to say more and to think more and want more. Cause she would always ask me, uh, are you good? I was like, oh, I'm content. And then she was like, why do you, why, why do you want to be content? Why, why don't you want everything? Wow. To give it to you. And I'm like, why don't I want everything? Like he, he says I could have it. All I have to do is ask. <laughs> Come on now. So, yeah, I mean, I just want us to have those conversations. Like mm-hmm. that's the next I want to leave that we talk about. Yeah. So great. I do. I'm so into him. <laughs> you have this great line. Um, we have become students of love. And that is reflected in what you just said. Uh, what do you mean by that? And what have you learned in the school of love? You can each well, answer. Okay, I'll go first. Of course. Rhonda's going to give you something. I have a detail. <laughs> a longer one? <laughs> Hers is more, women have more words than men, so I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. 20,000 more words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's just like, you have to be a student of this person who you said you love. And you're mm. like, like, you have to know, like, what gets her up in the morning, what, um, you know, when she's having a bad day, how you can pick her up and things of that nature. You, you need to like have a degree in this person. And so the, the fact is you have to always continue to learn them mm-hmm. because like if, when you brought up divorce a second ago, you don't, I don't know if you know this, but the biggest segment of divorcees now are the elderly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. They, they call gray hair divorces because if you think about it, mm-hmm. like, they stay together for the kids. Mm-hmm. And then once the kids move out, like, what do we have to stand on? What are we talking about now? Mm-hmm. Like, what, the, the thing that kept us together isn't there anymore. So now what do we do? Right. So if you're, not, if you're not learning this person and constantly growing with this person, then when time comes, you're going to like be so far apart mm-hmm. that it's going to be hard to get it back because mm-hmm. you're not doing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's good to prepare for that before the kids go. I remember having the same discussion with my husband. You know, the kids mm-hmm. are about ready to go. Will you... 
let's go learn how to dance or something. Instead, we go on, on long trips together and we have a great time and it builds our fellowship without the heated part. Um, <laughs> except except where you need the heat. But again, that's another podcast. Yes, um, yes. Did you want to answer that for me, Rhonda? And then we're going to close up. You know what? I felt what he said was, was perfect. I, I, I'm in agreement with that 100%. I do think that not only do you have to be students of love, but you have to love love. You have to love hearing it, feeling it. You have, sometimes we may have not, we, we may not necessarily have been qualified to love. And I know this sounds harsh, but we, we always emulate what we've received. And sometimes true, true. we give love that may not meet the standards of what it really truly is. And so mm-hmm. we're giving the best we can. So that's when that communication comes back in place and say, hey, this is the love that I'm used to giving. Is this acceptable? Is it not? Do you want more? Do you want mm-hmm. less? I mean, what is it that you need? And when you say it, you know, be able to be open to receive it. Because I think a lot of times when people ask questions, they don't really want the answer. Yes. And so you have to be ready mm. for the answer. That <laughs> is so true. It's like we have to make ourselves very humble and vulnerable. And even if the words hurt that we say, hey, we asked because we love you more than we love ourselves. Yes. And that God can uh, meet those deep needs in us. Wow, this has been a great conversation. I know my listeners are going, wait, it's not over yet. I need more help. Well, <laughs> um, comment uh, on my Instagram or show notes this week on my website, welcomeheart.com. And um, and we're going to give away a free copy, but you can just go buy your own. Might be easier. And again, <laughs> the name of the book is Marriage Material. And what's the tagline? It's pre and post marital training guide. And the the tagline says training you until the training, well, guiding you until the training wheels come off. Do they ever come, do they ever come off? They don't, but if they do, you know, you, you they should, get smaller. You shouldn't. You, know? should you shouldn't. Say that again, say that again, kind of. So you shouldn't want them to, because if you think about it, we all have those mentors or people in our lives that kind of usher us along the way, especially in marriage and kind of that sounding board where someone is going to be for the both of us and not just me. Mm -hmm. You know, we tell couples all the time, you have to have those mentors or people who can kind of, uh, I'm sorry, we say- um, Material witness. They have to be a material witness. (laughs) And God-centered and- And and, and, And kingdom-minded. Yes. Mm -hmm. Kingdom-minded guidance. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. have to have it. It's wonderful to have people in your life who have known you your whole married life. Actually, I met a couple when we uh, first moved, when I moved up here, after I got married, who knew Mark before they knew me. And see, at the wedding, everybody knew me except for very few people. And um, and they would say, she would say to me, you're going to have the best marriage. We love Mark so much. I go, really? I go, really? (laughs) And so it's so great to have that faith, that they had that faith in God. And that faith in us when we were really just getting acquainted after we were married, you know. And uh, so God bless them and God bless you too. What a passionate couple you are when you talk about this. And I know that God is going to use this book and continue to use your lives. And thank you so much for being on Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life. Thank you for having us, Sue. And whenever you and Mark are ready to renew those vows, we officiate weddings, too. Yes, we got it. (laughs) Okay, but we'll only come in the summer. It's too cold. (laughs) Thank you so much. Love you guys. Bye. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live. 
all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.